Truth News Network. The President of the United States once told a room full of seniors that the United States can only stay out of bankruptcy by increasing spending. Has the man never balanced a checkbook? No, he hasn't had to. He's got access to your pockets. Repeat after me. $3.5 trillion. Trillion. Feel like a mushroom yet? Yeah, us too. We're TNN, the Truth News Network, and here to make sense of the nonsense is Dan Newman. Thank you, Pete Moss. Hey there, everyone. Good to have you back on Monday, the last Monday in the month of September. Can you believe we're about to begin the Halloween season and then Thanksgiving and then Christmas and Hanukkah right behind that? This is unbelievable, folks, this year. 2021 has just zoomed by. Before we know it, we're going to be looking at an election year. (laughs) 2022 midterm elections in November. Time flies. But boy, I tell you what else flies. All kinds of chaos. And we have so much in the United States of America. And it just gets deeper and deeper and wider and wider and more and more and more every day. It's crazy how all this stuff, just look back a couple of months. Look back at what we've been through as a nation. Look at look back at what you've been through and how many questions you've faced, how many dilemmas you've faced, how many decisions you've faced. And it just brings more and more fear and stress and nervousness, not knowing and not being able to get the truth and when you're getting things that you are told are truthful and that you maybe in first blush think that are truthful just because of who's telling us, only then to find out we've been lied to. This is a bad spot, but guess what? We're going to get through it. Somehow, some way, we're going to get through all this. So what's going on today? Well, let me tell you this. I know for a fact, I know for a fact, You heard about the Maricopa County, Arizona, the election audit from the 2020 November 3rd presidential and general election. All of the craziness and all of the stories that we heard through the months and people were pointing at conservatives that were concerned about election fraud, election irregularity, and diminishing. Nobody could say anything about that. Nobody could question it. Cancel culture went crazy, and folks just went into the closet. I remember back in the 70s when I was going to high school and college, the only people that went into closets were gay people because it still wasn't conventional to come out and announce publicly that you were gay. And that's where going into the closet came from. But now, if you don't believe lock, stock, and barrel everything that the Democrat leadership in Congress and in their political party tell us, you got to go into a closet. They're going to alienate you. They're going to cancel you. I think it's best described when you talk about those conservatives that live in Hollywood. I mean, there are, we know for a fact, there are hundreds and hundreds of actors and entertainers, singers, and other professions in the entertainment movie industry that are conservatives. And one by one, they have enough of being and living in the closet. And uh, 
they just go crazy. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to talk about it because they're going to get canceled if they do. Well, guess what, folks? I guarantee you, you've heard some stuff about this Maricopa County audit. Like this, CNN gave us the word on Friday. This is their headline. Final report from partisan Arizona Review confirms Biden defeated Trump in Maricopa County last November. And not to be outdone by the big news, the Wall Street Journal piped in. Here's what their headline said. Arizona GOP's election audit confirms Biden win in the state. Public Democracy America reported the results and they took it up a notch. Here's what they said. A headline. The GOP's audit of Maricopa County, Arizona 2020 election confirms that American elections continue to be free, honest, and secure. And they wrote a little blurb underneath this. A hand recount, they said, as required by Arizona law, conducted by members of all three major parties, found no evidence of voter fraud. On February 23, 2021, the story says, Maricopa County announced that forensic audits of its vote tabulation equipment completed by U.S. Election Assistance Commission accredited auditors had found no irregularities in the machines. The GOP-sponsored audit of the election by Cyber Ninjas found the same result. There is no election fraud in Arizona. Their report took months to complete and millions of taxpayer dollars. But their findings confirm what we already knew, that American democracy is strong and our elections are secure. Election integrity in American democracy remains intact and a model for the rest of of the world. That was from Democracy America. Wow, didn't that make you feel good? Every major news outlet reported the same news Friday, Saturday, and yesterday. Therefore, I'm sure you're not going to be shocked to learn that what they said is not what the audit showed at all, folks. Fact. Here's a fact. Go to the bank with this. Election processes in Arizona are rife with fraud and corruption. So why don't we just do this? Let's do something we're, we do all the time. I started to say we're pretty good at it. I don't know about that, but what I do know is we do this all the time. Arizona Senate report on the Maricopa County election audit highlights 40 9,000 questionable votes. And the Senate has asked the Attorney General of Arizona to investigate. So let's launch right into it. Let's just get right to it. I'm going to give you the facts. The report of the Maricopa County Forensic Election Audit of the 2020 election, it was released at a public hearing of the state Senate, chaired by Senate President Karen Fan and Judiciary Committee Chairman Senator Warren Peterson on Friday. And that release identified a number of significant election irregularities discovered during the audit. So here we go. Just listen. You can go to the headline story at truthnewsnet.org later to get all these details. As a matter of fact, after the show today, we're going to publish in PDF format at the bottom of this story. We're going to publish 
the entire audit so that you can pull it down for yourself. So let's get cranking. Out of 3.4 million votes cast in Arizona, presidential election on November 3rd, 2.1 million were cast in Maricopa County. That's Phoenix, folks. Of these, a little more than 1.9 million were early votes, either cast by mail or deposited in drop boxes. Biden was certified as the winner of Arizona's 11 Electoral College votes over Donald Trump by Secretary of State Katie Hobbs and also Governor Doug Ducey. That's going to come up at the end of this story. So remember, Doug Ducey, governor of Arizona, he's a Republican. And they showed a margin of victory for Biden, 10,457 votes. According to those certified results, Biden received 1,672,143 votes in the state. Trump got 1,661,686 votes. The audit included a full hand recount of all 2.1 million ballots. That's what the report says. At the presidential ballot level, the report found very little difference between the results of the hand recount of the presidential race and the official Maricopa County canvas. Of 2,089,000 plus votes counted in the official Maricopa County canvas, 1,040,774 were cast for Biden, 995,665 were cast for Trump, a margin for Biden in the county of 45,109. Of 2,088,569 votes counted in the Forensic audit, different number, slightly, 1,040,873 were for Biden, 995,404 were for Trump. As a matter of fact, in the difference there, Trump got fewer votes in the audit than he got in the hand recount. Establishment media outlets have celebrated this. Talking about the hand count showed that Biden's margin over Trump was 360 votes greater than the official canvas results. Biden got 99 votes while Trump lost 261 votes in the audit hand count. They have claimed these results confirm Biden won Arizona. Biden won Arizona. Now, let me before we dig into the details of this, let me point something out. What they found in total was there are tens of thousands of votes that have no way of being determined if they were actual or not based on specifics. But you'll hear when a number you find out and in category of the type of votes you found out, none of these numbers could possibly be true and be accepted in total. But the reason everybody is saying it proved that Biden won was there's no way to go back and undo this entire stuff. Of the more than 2 million votes counted, the report stated the results of the audit found there were questions about 49,718 of these votes that had a critical, high, or medium potential impact to the finding may have had on the election. The audit broke the election into four phases, voter history, paper ballots, voting machine, and the certified results. 
of the 49,718 questionable votes that was identified, 34,466 of these were in the voter history phase, 12,660 in the certified results phase, 2,592 were in the ballot phase. The report didn't identify any questionable votes in the voting machine phase because Dominion refused to turn over access to the machines. It's almost certain that there were changes made and that the voting machine, if they had access to go in and look at the hard drives, they would find it. But what they did find is bad enough. So let me give you the summary. Here's a breakdown of those 49,000 questionable votes. 23,344 mail-in ballots were counted from individuals who no longer lived at the address to which the mail-in ballot was sent. The audit called these mail-in ballots voted from prior address in the voter history phrase. 9,041 more ballots were returned by voters than received in the voter history phase. 5,295 voters that potentially voted in multiple counties in the certified results phase. 3,432 more ballots were cast in the list of people who show as having cast a vote. You got that? There were 3,400 more ballots counted than there were people showing they voted. The audit called this group of ballots official results does not match who voted in the certified results phase. 2,592 more duplicates than original ballots in the ballot phase. 2,382 in-person voters who had moved out of the county in the certified results phase. 2,081 voters moved out of state during the 29 days before the election in the voter history phase and 1,551 votes counted in excess of voters who voted in the certified results phase. An additional 3,587 votes were in the low-impact category across 14 findings. Section 5.1 of Volume 3 of the report identified the ballot scoring methodology used to separate ballot findings into the four categories of severity as to their impact on the final results, critical, high, medium, or low. Ballot-related findings are scored based on the total number of potential ballots impacted by the finding. So based on the range in which this falls within, a severity is assigned. In these circumstances, a severity will be assigned to the finding based on the potential impact that they may have on the final results. If a ballot finding impacted more than 10,000 potential votes, its severity level was classified as critical, obviously. If a ballot finding impacted more than 5,000 potential votes, but less than 10,000, its severity level was classified as high. If one impacted more than 1,500, but less than 5,000, it was severity level classified as medium. If a ballot finding impact less than 1,500, its severity level was classified as low. So, Maricopa County allowed 9,589 more early vote ballot return envelopes to move forward to the signature verification process than the audit determined were eligible. So that's almost 10,000 votes that shouldn't have been counted, but they let them count. Maricopa County 
counted 1,917,008 as eligible, these are ballots, mail-in ballots, to move forward to the signature verification process. But the audit determined only 1,907,419 should have been eligible to move over there. They should have been thrown out then. That's another 10,000 or so. 34,448 early vote ballot return envelopes were duplicates submitted by 17,000 individual voters. You got that? 34,000 were duplicates submitted by 17,000 voters. In other words, 17,000 people submitted two, but some of whom submitted either three or four. There's no cheating over there. That was an honest mistake. They sent me the ballot and I filled it out and returned it. I forgot that I had filled out and returned two or three other ones. A third report on cybersecurity from a firm called Cypher Digital Findings was delivered by Ben Cotton. Here's what's in that report. Maricopa County failed to perform basic operating system patch management Maricopa County failed to update antivirus definitions. The county failed to preserve security logs. Every one of them, every security log was not available. Maricopa County failed to establish and monitor host baseline, and Maricopa County failed to establish and monitor network communications baseline. In a statement released by the Save America PAC Friday morning, former President Trump Praise the audit results as reported in a leaked early version of the report. Listen to this. The fake news, this is Trump talking here. The fake news is lying about the Arizona audit report. The leaked report conclusively shows there were enough fraudulent votes, mystery votes, and fake votes to change the outcome of the election four or five times over. The number includes 23,000-plus mail-in ballots, despite the person no longer living at that address, phantom voters. The official canvas doesn't even match who voted. It's off by 11,592, more than the entire presidential election margin. Voters who voted in multiple counties, 10,300, 2,382 ballots came from people who no longer live in the county. There were also 2,500 more duplicate ballots than original ballots. Just those fraudulent ballots total 50,000 and is fraud many more times than the so-called margin of victory, which was only 10,000. In addition, election data appears to have been intentionally deleted. Ballot images were corrupt or missing. This is not even the whole state of Arizona, just the area around Phoenix. It would only get worse. There's fraud and cheating in Arizona. It must be criminally investigated. More is coming out in the hearing later. So, as the hearing began on Friday, Trump again went to writing and released this. CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, and other lamestream media are feeding large-scale misinformation to the public about the audit. The audit was a big win for democracy and a big win for us. Shows how corrupt the election was. Arizona State Senate hearing going on now and the information about what took place is terrible. A bigger scam even than anticipated. Midway through the hearing, Trump sent a third email. 
It is not even believable, the dishonesty of the fake news media on the Arizona audit results, which shows incomprehensible fraud at an election-changing level, many times more votes than is needed. The fake news media refuses to write facts, thereby being complicit in the crime of the century. They are so dishonest, but patriots know the truth. Arizona must immediately decertify their 2020 presidential election results. Saturday morning, a fourth Trump email. It said, 44,000 ballots the left wants you to ignore and included an image of the finding summary table included in section 5.2 of the report. The theme that Maricopa County refused to cooperate with the audit was highlighted by each presenter during the hearing. I'm very disappointed, Trump said, to see that Maricopa County refused to cooperate. Not only did they not cooperate, they even went so far as to sue us, that state Senate president, Fan, at the beginning of the hearing. And Fan added, what you've not seen and what you've not heard is about the statutes that were broken, how chain of custody was not followed, how we had a number of issues, which is why people questioned the ballots in the election in the first place. So I ask that you please keep an open mind. I ask that you please listen to this because the reality of this is that this is all about making sure your vote counts and that it only counts once. At the close of the hearing, it was clear the state Senate expected the Attorney General Mark Bronovich to follow up on the results of the report aggressively. Bronovich signaled his intent to do so even before Friday's afternoon hearing began. Judiciary Chairman Peterson identified eight points by the close of the hearing. Here they are. The county's obstructionism must be addressed. Their willingness to spend resources to block this audit. The numbers don't reconcile. We should be able to pull up these election results and be able to come up with a reconciliation so everything balances. You got voter rolls. You can only have the number of votes that match the numbers on the voter rolls. Anything else is fraud or illegal or a mistake. It appears they broke the law with duplicate ballots. Churning of logs. We need to find out why that happened and who did it. Chain of custody, failure to preserve data files, cybersecurity weaknesses, and the envelopes with blank signatures. We have a lot of questions that need to be answered, and I look forward to working with the Attorney General, Peterson said. I've already transmitted a letter to our Attorney General's office with these reports. That's what the Senate President said. We are asking him to open up a formal investigation, perhaps get some of the missing things that we were unable to get. I have every confidence he's going to do that. And let's wrap it up with this. There's a lot of numbers you just heard. And if you just back off a little bit and put it in context, it's very, very obvious. There's no question now. Voting fraud in all kinds of different ways when rampant in the Arizona election, at least in Maricopa County. Every mainstream media and Democrat and party leadership at the national and state levels, today, they are desperately hoping that no Americans take the time or effort to look past the headlines published in every mainstream newspaper, broadcast on every mainstream television news and talk show, and promoted by Democrat Party mind-numb robots 
trying to make names for themselves that everything in Arizona is okay. There was rampant cheating, and the election results, as reported, are grossly incorrect. And folks, these are from one county in Arizona. So here's the big question. What's going to happen now? I told you at the beginning of this to remember the name Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona. Now here's what he did, required by law after an election. He's got to get the vote tallies from his election people that work for the people of Arizona, and they bring them to him and say, here's this stuff, Mr. Governor, this is... This is the hand-counted numbers that we have. These are the actual results. Well, Governor Ducey swore in an affidavit that was presented to the United States Electoral College that guaranteed the final results on that affidavit represented the actual voters of every Arizonan who cast their ballot. Arizona's panel of electors then cast their votes in the Electoral College, and those electoral votes, 11 of them, went to Joe Biden. So will Arizona Governor Doug Ducey notify the Electoral College? He will withdraw that affidavit in which he swore the numbers were accurate? There are many things that come to mind about this, but there are only two really important ones. One, if Ducey does withdraw his official election results affidavit, What will happen then? Two, worse, however, if Ducey does not withdraw his official election results affidavit, what will happen then? With this conundrum swirling above his head, I'll bet you the governor had a tough weekend when it comes to sleep. Can you imagine the number of text, emails, and phone calls he's received about this? There is a plethora of unanswered questions about the U.S. election integrity. The questions about Maricopa County and Phoenix have only just begun to be answered. But what about those same questions about the election, quote, irregularity and or fraud in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, and OMG, what about Georgia, huh? Incidentally, You can bet the 2022 midterms and then the general election of 2024 are going to experience some dramatic changes. Know this. This one you really need to understand. And you may number among these, and I'm one of these. I'm one of these folks. Those who questioned rampant voting irregularity and even fraud in the 2020 election. And guess what? Me and you, if you're one of those questioners, you are no longer a conspiracy theorist. What you are today is now. You can put on a new badge and call yourself a fact finder because that's what we're about, folks. We're all about finding facts. And I got to tell you, I don't think, I I understand that the far left want this to be swept under the rug and, you know, couched with this thing that they've been broadcasting and just trumpeting from every mountaintop since Friday. It was fair, it was fair, it was fair. Biden beat him, actually beat him by more. 
they, they're going to regret ever pushing for this audit. Ask yourself, how could the state of Arizona, how could the state legislature, how could they justify spending millions of taxpayer dollars? Folks, they brought in some of the biggest heavyweight attorneys from all over the United States to fight, even allowing the audit to move forward. Well, there's only one explanation. They knew there were things that needed to be hidden that they didn't want to be outed on. But it's out there, folks. And if you live in Arizona, and we have people listening today that do, whoever your representative is, state senate, state house, I'd get them on the phone if you haven't already. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. The Truth News Network. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're a Pilgrim, please make a decision. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted six-month-old aged cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra drinks excludes freezes. Music buff. I, I don't. I, I don't stick to one style of music. I really don't. I like. I like some country. I love smooth jazz. I like some rap. But I like that sound. That smooth, easy feeling. That was Steely Dan. Well, listen, folks. Coming up, we've got a lot of things we're covering here today. Some very important things that some of you may not have heard of, but they're important, and we want to get right to them. Um, got some news out of Afghanistan. Of course, we've got some more vax masking mandate news that'll blow your socks off. And you're going to hear from a mother. You're going to love this one. A mother up in Illinois that happened to go do some digging to find some. Let's do this. Why don't we do this? Why don't we go right to this first? And the reason I want to go right to it first is because I think it's cool. I want you to hear this mother. Folks, she's in front of a school board, her kid's school board, and she's addressing the mask mandate from the school board. And she asked some amazing questions, and she actually dug in and went and got some laws 
and some real numbers before she went to this meeting, and she called them on the carpet. Listen to this woman just go to town in this school board meeting. I'd first like to say I have done my research. I have your documentation from Johns Hopkins and OSHA that prove that the mask and the PPM that's being caused through the mask, which is it's science, you know, stuff that people don't want to talk about right now, prove that they're dangerous not only to the adults who are sitting around wearing them, but most importantly to the children. I also have the letter here that was sent to the superintendent talking about the funds that the state of Illinois and the federal government were going to give them. And then I kept on searching and I kept thinking, with all this information about how dangerous these masks are, and then not to mention this experimental gene therapy they're calling a vaccine, why would this school keep doing this? So I decided to follow the money. And I went through report after report after report. And then suddenly, right there in the school letter itself, operational strategy for K through 12 schools, phase prevent prevention, CDC, COVID-19, right here, completely against the Nuremberg Code of the United States of America. I want to ask you this question to this board. Are you in possession of or slated to receive any state, federal, or private funding and or grants from any entity on the condition of universal masking, vaccine, which I guess, again, is experimental gene therapy, or any other COVID-related protocols for staff or students in the entire Vandalia, Illinois school system? Yes or no? It is a yes or no question. Are you receiving any funds under those conditions, or aren't you? Or are you slated to receive them if you don't have them now? We will receive our general student aid as we comply with the rules of the Illinois State Board. Which right here says universal masking, universal vaccine coming. Right here, this is the rules you're following, and I have the letters to show it. I'd also like to inform you that I am aware that the state of Illinois received $5 billion $54,988,054 for their COVID-related, right here, this, this, this here, this here, county, or this here school system, just the Vandalia school system for complete full compliance gets $5,750,614.50. $647. And they said it's $3,946.91 per student. That same CDC paperwork right here states all students have access to learning. All students. Not just the disabled who say they can't wear a mask, or not just the ones who are disenfranchised, but all students are entitled to it who have common sense, and then the parents who have the common sense to do their own medical research and say, no, I'm not going to do that to my kid. That's not healthy for him. We've got evidence right here. It's not, it's not healthy. We don't want to do that. And they've learned that the masks are very dangerous to them, especially children. We're told to leave school or comply. This has happened to my family, so don't tell me that it doesn't. No middle ground. No distance learning with computers, told to turn laptops back in. You can't have it. If you're not rolled, you can't have it. But you can't be rolled because you're not going to be at school. You miss another day, truancy's coming after you. 
to put us in a corner, and you're getting paid to mask our children. So the question I have, the second question, which obviously I've just proved to you that number one is the answer is yes. Number two, who got the money and what'd you do with it? I just walked up a sidewalk out here that's not even swept. You got $5,750,000 and some odd more dollars. What did you do with it and which pocket is it in? Because right now, this isn't happening. So I got one last statement for you before I go. The number code of the United States of America says the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. This means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent, should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion, and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. Hiding $5,750,000 from us and then telling us that you're, you're masking our children for their health is unconscionable. Again, I have just one little final statement here. Just give me one second. You are violating the U.S. Constitution of the United States. I don't care what mandate the state of Illinois gives. You are violating the rights of these children, the rights of these parents, and your own conscience. If you just pledge to that flag, you are standing against it when you do this masking, this universal stuff to get that money. I'd rather see this school in ashes than to see you sit there with your pockets full while you suffocate our children with diapers on their faces. Not only that, but I have seen these children say to me, to my face, that they're letting us wear it on our chin now. We just have to wear it on our chin, but we got to put it on when we're there. So you're teaching them to lie on top of deceiving them into doing something. We are sovereign citizens of the United States of America, and I stand with that flag and the Constitution and the Nuremberg Code that goes with it. You have no power. You have no power to usurp the rights of our children or the authority that we have over our children. And because they're not old enough to speak for themselves, we stand and speak for them. We the people have had enough. You are on notice. You will all be gone if you don't change your ways right now. Uh, with that, I yield. There you go. Hell hath no, no f- woman. Hell. <laughs> there is no fury. Hell hath no fury like a mad woman. Now, the original quote was like a woman scorned. Folks, that was just about the mass piece of it. But the common thread in what she said, and we want to just take a jump off of that, is the dollars and cents. Did you hear how much money just that Vandalia school system in Illinois is getting for taking care of all of these uh, things COVID-related as far as students are concerned? One of them is the masking thing. Money, dollars and cents. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's the biblical perspective. But when it comes to politics, folks, things pretty much seem the same. Have you wondered all of a sudden, you heard about the boosters, vaccine boosters. Oh, we're going to have boosters ready for everybody. Man, clap your hands, September. 
Everybody's going to be able to get a booster. Every American. Well, let's go back just a little bit. Why the heck do you need a booster? We were told from the very beginning these boosters never were mentioned. The vaccines were going to take care of every COVID problem for an undetermined amount of time. He was asked, Fauci was in the very beginning when this all came out. Now, do these things last forever? And he kind of brushed it off and said, oh, down the road there may be, you know, a need to get a second shot or a booster or whatever, but we don't think that's going to be an eventuality. And then out of nowhere, all of a sudden, wow, boosters are coming, and we think it's probably a good idea that, you know, six months, maybe four months, but somewhere in that range after you get your second shot, that you come back and get a booster just to make sure, you know, your uh, immunity to the COVID-19 vaccine the bug is going to be okay. Make sure that it's still moving forward and you have that vaccine immunity. Well, guess what? This booster shot thing, they are projecting that it is going to rake in billions of dollars in profits for companies like Pfizer and Moderna. Billions more in profits are at stake for some of these vaccine makers as the U.S. moves towards dispensing booster shots to shore up Americans' protection against the virus. That's coming from the Associated Press. How much the manufacturers stand to gain depends on how how big the rollout proves to be. The FDA has only approved the Pfizer booster shot for Americans 65 and older, as well as other high-risk Americans. Experts predict boosters will soon be available for everybody, which will include products from Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. With that, of course, comes big profits. And when we say big profits, the first thing you say is, oh, you know, every company is in business to make profits. Listen to this, folks. Let me tell you a little bit about Moderna. Moderna has been in the drug business for a lot of years but they've only ever developed anything and everything for animals. This is the first product they've been to the market with for humans. But let's dig a little bit deeper. Anthony Fauci was out there beating his drum in support of vaccine manufacturer Moderna and their product. I mean, He didn't even think twice. He didn't even talk about Pfizer. He didn't even talk about Johnson & Johnson. It was Moderna, 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 Moderna. Let me just give you some numbers to chew on for a little bit. Two years ago, you could buy a share of Moderna on the New York Stock Exchange for $5. $5. That doesn't seem like a lot of money, does it? Nope, it doesn't. You know what a share costs today? $500. Why is that? From five to $500 in two years. Well, Moderna hadn't had much going on in the area, new anyway stuff going on in the area of veterinary stuff. But they've kind of had a little finger in the pie on this COVID-19 vaccine stuff. And Moderna last year and Pfizer last year 
and Johnson & Johnson last year, each of those companies made billions of dollars of profit. How does that happen? Well, you got a product, you sell the product, whatever you sell it for, and the difference between what it costs you is profit. Who's paying the bill? Every one of these doses was purchased by the United States of America. Your tax dollars, my tax dollars, went to pay these billions, tens of billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars to Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson to buy these vaccinations to give to us. And they're out there now touting, oh, we placed orders for 300, 400, 500 million doses of Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. Well, not Johnson & Johnson and Moderna yet but Pfizer principally, and they say Moderna's are coming out very quickly to be available for vaccine boosters. And the drug companies go cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. And let me ask you this. Think about this. What happens next? What's going to happen next? Meanwhile, let's put this in perspective. Over in Norway, Norway's government, last week, they declared that all COVID-19-related limitations are lifted as of two days ago. They're gone. They're lifted, joining a growing number of countries and states that have already done that. Here's what Reuters reported. It's 561 days since we introduced the toughest measures in Norway ever in peacetime. Now the time has come to return to a normal daily life. Prime Minister Ernest Solberg said that at a news conference Friday. COVID-19 has been classified as a generally severe disease for the past year and a half. This is going to soon change in Norway. They're going to change the classification. They've stated now the coronavirus can now be classified with illnesses like the flu, common colds, and respiratory syncytial virus. We are now in a new phase where we got to look at the coronavirus as one of several respiratory diseases with seasonal variation. That's according to Geir Buckholm, assistant director of the Norwegian Institute of Public Health. According to The Local, which is a newspaper there, last week, the Ministry of Health and Social Care requested that the NIPH evaluate whether COVID was still a serious disease. Well, they've yet to release those results, but its assistant director has stated COVID's threat level is reduced and will be reduced when this comes out. Because the vast majority of people at most significant risk of developing the disease if infected or already fully vaccinated, or they have natural immunity. The virus may now be comparable in severity to colds and flus. This is because the vast majority of those at risk are protected. And although the infection is still circulating, hospital numbers remain low. Thus, the coronavirus will not lead to a heavy burden on the health service. For those vaccinated who may become infected and develop symptoms, the vast majority will have mild cold-like symptoms. 
the decision to eliminate that other egregious thing, social distancing, it's going to allow culture and sports arenas to fill to their total capacity rather than only a part while restaurants and nightclubs can reopen. In short, we can now live as normal people. That's according to the Prime Minister Solberg. So because of the dramatic improvement in Norway's condition, guess what they've decided there? It's just another respiratory infection as COVID-19 with the same level of danger as influenza. Now, this doesn't imply that it's considered innocuous. Instead, it believed, like influenza, it can be handled and that the dangerous individuals with COVID or the flu infection are comparable as they're for persons in the risk groups. They've got them identified. The total societal cost for virus-caused diseases can be tens of billions every year without us having a pandemic. So they're looking at this from a really objective standpoint. Every year, between 300,000 and 1.5 million Swedes get sick with the flu. Yet only a little bitty number die with annual variations over there between 700 and 2,000. The overwhelming majority of deaths occur in the risk categories, like in the instance of COVID, yet no mass vaccinations are carried out at the societal level despite this. Each year, between 5 and 10 kids aged 10 to 19 die of the common flu, which is more than the number of kids who died of COVID-19 in 20 and 21. Did you hear that? I'm going to repeat it. In Sweden, in Norway, between 5 and 10 kids aged 10 to 19 die every year there of the common flu. And that's more than the number of kids who died of COVID-19 in 2020 and 2021. The flu is more hazardous than COVID-19 in this age range. This is pretty important in and of itself because unlike Sweden, Norway has chosen not to vaccinate children under the age of 12. Here's what they say. By the winter, it's expected that hospitals in Norway would no longer be overburdened with COVID patients, but rather with some COVID-19, some various respiratory illnesses, and some common flu. I think we have reached the top this time. Then I think instead that we will get a winter wave that comes later, but we don't think it'll be bigger than the healthcare system can handle. Now, let me ask you this. Here's the thing that just blows my mind. These people are being objective about this. Objective. These people in Norway are following the science. And they're listening to real doctors that obviously don't have other motives to go along with the recommendations they give to their patients and to the other people of Norway. Can you imagine what I just gave to you? Can you imagine hearing that today in the United States of America? I can't even imagine. It's, it's uncomprehensible. It would never happen. As a matter of fact, what is happening every day is there, we find out, is some new thing going on that we need to be deathly afraid of to go back to mask mandates, to go back to social distancing, forced vaccination mandates, and forced mask wearing 
are growing and growing and growing. And it's as if we haven't learned a thing. If we're not controlling the disease in the form of stopping people from dying, we hear all these case numbers spouted, folks, but they don't give us the death numbers. They don't give us the death numbers. Do you know every day, every day since the 1st of April, the mortalities from COVID-19 in the U.S. in number are going down, down, down. They don't want, they don't want to talk about that. Why? They didn't sell well. Now, what are you saying, Dan? You started this thing talking about the money. No, we started this thing with that parent up there in Vandalia's school system in Illinois that pulled the actual numbers and found how much money the school board, the people she was looking at and was talking to and listening, the money that they're making just if they adopt the protocol that's handed down from who? The CDC. And the money that was allocated by Congress. Follow the money. Follow the money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Do you want your kids being held captive in their school environment because of some school board members, uh, members, school officials, seeing that they're going to get grants, they're going to get a lot of money, but they've only got to do this. And the this that they have to do is make your kids feel uncomfortable every hour of every day they're in school. Think about the ancillary effects of that, the fear. Do you know how a five, six, seven, eight-year-old kid feels having a mask on all day long? Nobody talks about the oxygen deprivation that happens from this. Nobody talks about that. Why is that? Isn't that science? Isn't that something that you would think those 41 lab tests that CDC has done, finding out the efficacy of all kind, every kind of mask when it comes to COVID-19, just one of those lab tests could be finding out what the deprivation of oxygen, the percentages, et cetera, and what the impacts are on our bodies. Don't think for a second that your O2 intake is exactly the same if you're walking around or if you're walking around behind a mask. There's no comparison. Folks, when you go skiing for the first time, when you get up at altitude over 3,000, 4,000 feet where it snows, and then you get those skis on and you start trying to get up on, get off a ski lift and ski down the mountain, you can barely catch your breath. That's oxygen deprivation because at that altitude, there's less O2 in the atmosphere for you to breathe. So your body makes you breathe harder. You get after that. I mean, it's a spooky feeling when it first happens. Our kids are experiencing that and they don't understand. Ooh, you're breathing hard, but you better keep that mask on because if you don't, you're going to get COVID. You're going to die. This whole thing, in my opinion, is being driven by two things. Power, control, and money. And the last thing that it's driven by are facts, scientific facts. And every day, 
more and more news comes out that proves just that. (laughs) Something big came out late last week. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk to you about it. It's how our government is ignoring some obvious things that happen and how they're getting busted by health professionals across the nation for what they're saying and forcing us to do. That's up next at TNN Live. Hi guys, this is the Chevy Silverado with the world's first invisible trailer. Invisible trailer? And it's not the trailer right next to us? This guy? You don't believe me? Hop in. Good looking pickup, I will say that. Silverado offers an optional technology package with up to 15 different views, including one enhanced view that makes your trailer appear invisible. Wow. That's pretty sweet. That's cool. That's awesome. Where's the trailer though? (laughs) I love it. It's magic. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmer's Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water. Vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are. TNN, the Truth News Network. Project Veritas. They're back out on the trail exposing more untruths. And boy, they found a good one. They published some serious allegations by a federal nurse last week that authorities are not reporting the adverse effects of the COVID vaccine, but they're trying to hide them. Now, this was stated by Department of Health and Human Services nurse Jody O'Malley. Jody works at Phoenix Indian Medical Center in Arizona. And a video posted on September 20th, as a matter of fact, if you want to see the entire video, Just look it up, Project Veritas, V-E-R-I-T-A-S, on YouTube. It's right there. She recorded several HHS colleagues discussing their concerns about the harmful reactions to COVID vaccine during their work at the hospital that she worked at. Dr. Maria Gonzalez, an emergency physician, expressed, quote, the problem in here is that they are not doing the studies. People that had COVID and the people that have been vaccinated They're not doing any antibody testing. The video then records the exchange between O'Malley and Gonzalez about a vaccinated patient who later presented with symptoms of myocarditis. 
Dr. Gonzalez. But now they, the government, are not going to blame the vaccine. O'Malley said, well, and you know what? But he has an obligation to report that, doesn't he? It happened, right? What is it, 60 days after you see anything? Dr. Gonzalez again. They have to, O'Malley, but how many are reporting? Gonzalez, they're not reporting. O'Malley, right. And then the doctor said, because they want to shove it under the mat. In a later dialogue, O'Malley explained to Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe, she saw dozens of cases of adverse reactions to vaccines that weren't reported. So what the responsibility on everyone is, is to gather the data and report it. If we're not gathering COVID data and reporting it, then how are we going to say that this is safe and it's approved for use? Wow. In this context, context, Dale McGee, a doctor, ER physician, HHS, clarified it's not that it hasn't been done, it hasn't been published. That's why. To which Dr. Gonzalez replied, it hasn't probably been done because the government doesn't want to show that the darn COVID vaccine is full of the S word. On this issue, HHS registered nurse Deanna Paris told O'Malley, quote, it's a shame the government are not treating people with COVID like they're supposed to, like they should. I think they want people to die. For O'Malley, it's more important to speak out against corruption than to fear retaliation from the powers that be. What would you say to people who are in a position where they can do something? That's Project Veritas leader O'Keefe asked that of O'Malley. She said, I say that we have to do something right now. What is plaguing this country is the spirit of fear. And she added, this is evil at the highest level. You have the FDA, you have the CDC that are both supposed to be protecting us, but they're under the government and everything that we've done so far is unscientific. And finally, she said, at the end of the day, it's about your health. You can never get that back and about your freedom and about living in a peaceful society. And I'm like, no, no, this is the hill that I will die on. Kudos to O'Malley for stepping up and doing that. And and I got to be honest with you, she's all over the internet. She's out there. She's a federal employee. What's going to happen to her because she went public? She actually is a whistleblower, although she didn't file with the government to get whistleblower status, formal status. So she left herself wide open for whatever repercussions there are that will come from her doing that. And so I gave her a hand clap for coming out. Adverse reactions. And we follow those here at TNN Live. You know we do. We've reported every week, every Friday about the latest adverse reaction numbers, people that have horrible things that happen to them, all kinds of conditions, even a bunch of deaths, and how many thousands of that are reported with probably 10 times more than those reported are the actual numbers, and the government's not saying anything about that to the people. If you question them about it, they'll say, oh, no, no, you know, CDC reports it on their website, but it's buried somewhere and nobody ever talks about it. In fact, If you hear anything about it, I'll be completely honest, 
you're hearing it here and very few other, I don't even see any of the mainstream news media outlets talking about it at all. Now, even more so important is what's going on with these vaccine mandates. And boy, Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York, he put out, I mean, total mask mandates with no regard for anything or anybody. And what he's done is he's crippled Manhattan, to be honest with you. And it's a racist thing. Why are you saying that, Dan? Well, in the African-American community, only a small percentage of African-Americans are comfortable enough to go get a vaccination. So what happens to them in New York? Well, first of all, they can't work in restaurants or places of entertainment because you have to be vaxxed to do that. And then you can't go if you're African-American and you haven't been vaxxed. You can't go to a restaurant. You can't go to a movie. In fact, you can't interact in stores around the city with anybody. In fact, a lot of places will check your ID, your vaccine ID, and if you don't have it, you're not even allowed to go in. So guess what's happened? One of the leaders of Black Lives Matter, Greater New York, slammed de Blasio for the city's vaccine mandate, explaining the mandate is racist and especially targets black New Yorkers. Javona Newsom, co-founded the Greater New York chapter of BLM, ran as a congressional candidate for the 15th district in the 2020 election. The former congressional candidate blasted de Blasio's vaccine mandate. Although Mayor Bill de Blasio ran on progressive values, nothing in his tenure will attest to his campaign promises, Newsom explained. The September 13th vaccine mandate is racist, specifically targets black New Yorkers. The vaccine passports are modern-day freedom papers which limit the free will of black people. The mandates infringe upon the civil liberties of the black community. It's more than where we can dine or enjoy entertainment. It will result in loss of income. As of Monday, today, the 27th, black health care workers and educators will lose their jobs. She explained in her statement that de Blasio is fully aware of the hesitancy and distrust of African descent, have about vaccination, and their interactions with government and law enforcement. De Blasio chose to disenfranchise and force the very people who elected him into poverty and second-class citizenship. So if you look at the population of New York as a state, black citizens account for 17.6% of the population. Yet black New Yorkers make up only 14% of the share of vaccinated individuals so far in the state. That trend is eye-popping in comparison to that of whites, Hispanics, and Asians. Population-wise, whites account for 70% of the state's population, while whites tally 69% of the vaccinated individuals. Similarly, Hispanics make up 19% of the population, but hold 21% of the state's vaccination share. Finally, Asian New Yorkers, 9% of the overall of the population in New York, and account for 15% of the state's total vaccination share. So this co-founder of BLM in New York is concerned vaccine mandates will become a free pass to racism, and she promises to advocate against the mandate until 
it is abolished. Now, who else in New York is impacted by that besides every citizen, besides African-American school teachers? New York City schools have been temporarily blocked from enforcing de Blasio's vaccine mandate for his teachers and other workers, and a federal appeals judge stepped in days before it was to take effect. New York City schools have been temporarily blocked from enforcing that. Workers in the nation's largest school system were supposed to start showing vaccination proof today. But late on Friday, a judge for the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals gave a temporary injunction sought by a group of teachers pending review by a three-judge panel, which will take up the motion day after tomorrow, Wednesday. A Department of Education spokesperson, Danielle Filson, said officials are seeking a speedy resolution in court. We're confident our vaccine mandate will continue to be upheld once all the facts have been presented because that's the level of protection our students and our staff deserve. The New York Post reported the department sent an email to principals on Saturday morning saying they should continue to prepare for the possibility the vaccine mandate will go into effect later in the week. de Blasio, in August, he announced that about 150,000 school employees would have to get at least a first dose of the vaccination by today. The policy covers teachers along with other staffers like custodians and cafeteria workers. It's the first no-test option vaccination mandate for a broad group of city workers in the nation's most populous city. And it mirrors a similar statewide mandate for hospital and nursing home workers set to go into effect today as well. As of Friday, 82% of department employees have been vaxxed including 88% of teachers. Even though most school workers have been vaxxed, unions representing New York City principals and teachers warned that could still leave the 1 million student school system short of as many as 10,000 teachers, along with other staffers. de Blasio has resisted calls to delay the mandate, insisting the city was ready. He, didn't, he won't do anything. He never wants to admit responsibility for a bad decision that he makes. Never. Listen to what he said. We've been planning all along for this. We have a lot of substitutes. A lot is going to happen between now and Monday. He said this on Friday. But beyond that, we're ready even to the tune of if we need thousands. We have thousands. we got thousands of teachers that are going to step in and do the gig. Folks, when you put all of this vaccine, this masking, all these mandates, when you put it in context, are you getting tired of hearing the same talking point mantra that's being shoved down from the top? Leadership, folks, leadership in government, they're greenlighting all of this. If they're not the ones out there beating the drum, they're in benign acceptance and cooperation in partnership with everybody below them that are being the voices of where all these come from. And this all comes from the CDC, the likes of Dr. Walensky, the NIH, the likes of Anthony Fauci. And then, of course, the politicians pick it up. It becomes their mantra as well. It's discouraging to Americans because the facts 
as we see them play out in the street, don't back up the quote-unquote facts that they're shoving down our throats. Whatever happened to follow the science? Whatever happened with that? It's long gone, folks. It's long gone. What they've done from the beginning is they've, they've got the science out there. And it's in their website, the CDC. But then they don't talk about the parts that are not politically conducive to what their perspective and what their goals and objectives are. So they, they just leave them out. And if anybody ever questions them, oh, it's right there. Go to our website. It's right there. How many people have adverse reactions? Well, everybody has adverse reactions. Uh, every vaccination, every uh, every vaccine of all kinds from the very beginning. There are some people that are going to react differently. That's just the way it goes. But they won't talk about numbers. They want to concentrate on the only numbers that matter to them, the numbers, the only numbers that they can use as weapons against the American people, those are the ones they put out there. And what are those? The numbers of cases. The numbers of cases. And where does that come from? It comes from the PCR test. And we know, we've told you, we've reported scientifically how they manipulate the PCR test to come back with false positives. But a patient doesn't know that. If you go to the hospital and you're tested in the emergency room and you come back positive and the ER doc's standing there, what are you going to do? Say, I don't believe the test results. I want a second opinion. You're going to do that? I mean, you're sitting there. They're standing there looking at you and they tell you, you've got the deadliest disease on the planet right now. Here's what you need to do. What the heck are you going to do? What if it's your kid, your six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old kid sitting there that's been tested positive? What are you going to say? You're not a doctor. You're not a scientist. You hear a lot of things, but it boils down to this. Who are you going to believe? Who's going to give you the truth? Who is giving you the truth? And who's not? So why don't you back away emotionally for just a minute? Just a minute. And think through. Who's telling you what? Who's saying what? And why are they saying it? Who do you trust? Who do you believe? If what they're saying now is true, what about all the other things specifically that they they said that weren't true? It came out that they were not telling you the truth. Why are they hiding any things from you? And you're finding out the things that they're hiding from you. Why would they be doing that? I got to be honest with you. I've not vaxxed. I'm not. And I am, I have a underlying respiratory condition that in normal circumstances makes me more conducive to respiratory problems than anybody else, not anybody else, but most everybody else by most of you. Years ago, I got a horrible case in Mexico of the nastiest kind of bacterial pneumonia you can get. And when I got it, I didn't find out two years later, but when I got it, I mean, it knocked me on my can. I was down for almost two weeks. It killed all the cilia in my lungs, the little hairs. Now, what they do in your lungs, we never know about this. You may have seen it in biology in high school, um, if you had biology. 
but it sweeps all of the foreign objects that we breathe in. Could be bacteria, could be viruses or whatever. It sweeps them out. And when we cough or when we breathe out, they go out into the air. The absence of those means when those bad things, when I breathe them in, they stay in my lungs. And of course, the bad things are bacteria and viruses. So what happens, I have a propensity, if I'm not careful, to when I get those things in there, I'll get a cold. And if I'm not careful, it turns into pneumonia. That's happened to me three or four times since then. Fortunately, never any of the really bad stuff like the first time. So how do I handle that? Typically, when I'm going to be in a place where I'm going to be in close proximity to a bunch of other people, 48 hours in advance, I start taking an antibiotic so that my lungs are ready if and when they're infected or they're in getting in them and having to deal with the bacteria or a virus. And it's principally I do that when I'm going to fly commercially because you're in a, in a plane, close proximity with a bunch of other people. Now they tell us, and we've got great ventilation that's filtered, yada, yada, yada. Well, it's filtered. It's not great, though and I'm not going to bet my life on it, so I prepare for it. That's stuff that we can do because I know. Now, I'm telling you that story to tell you this. My wife got COVID. Marianne got COVID in, I mean, the very beginning, I think May last year, and she got a really bad case. She never gets sick. We've been married 46 years. I've seen her sick maybe three times, including this time. Because she she's, first of all, she's tough. But secondly, she her body gets her well quickly when she gets something. She's had the flu a couple of times. I've never had the flu. And so when Marianne got this case of COVID, thank goodness, three or four days in, we got to a doctor, our doctor finally, and um, he took care of it pretty quickly with, and I'm going to whisper this so you won't tell on us, but he treated her with hydroxychloroquine. Azithromycin, zinc, and it worked. (laughs) And so the same thing worked for friends of ours, close friends of ours, family members, a bunch of them getting treated the same way. Well, our family members and our friends said, get ready, Dan, you're going to get it. I mean, Marianne had it, y'all together all the time, all night long, she's breathing out, you're breathing in, what she's breathing out, you're going to get it. I didn't even get a, not even a, a cold a sneeze. I didn't get anything. Why is that? Natural immunity. They won't accept natural immunity. Somewhere along the line, I can tell you biologically, follow the science. I can tell you what happened. My body was exposed to it. I think I know when and where it was. I think it was in Seattle. Right at the very beginning of this, December, late December, a year ago. Not this one year ago, December, but before that in 2019, when they were just knowing that this COVID thing was about to happen. I was in Seattle and I actually stayed two nights in a hotel in the suburb of Seattle where the first confirmed reports of COVID, not just cases, but deaths happened in a nursing home blocks away from where I stayed. And I really got sick, and my brother was with us, and he really got sick. I mean, we both got really sick flying back. Um, 
We flew into Dallas, stayed over for a meeting the next day, and I went to Walmart late that night and got him some stuff, some medicine, because he was really struggling to breathe. I think we both got it. But that's a guess. But I didn't get COVID-19, and I think my body had created natural immunities from that. Now, I've been careful. We've talked about it ad nauseum on this show, taking care, being very uh, conscious of others, not wanting to scare people. So I've social distanced. I, I I take a mask with me. I wear a mask everywhere I go or I put one in my pocket, especially when I go to a grocery store. I don't want to scare anybody. I'm not going to do it. But folks, those are scientific things that we're uncertain about. And though they tell us they know all the facts about it, and if you don't listen to us, you're going to die. They're guessing. They're either guessing or they're trying to play a Trump card of some kind and not using Trump because of President Trump, but pay a, a, a Trump card to use the fact that they're the experts and they know better than we know. So you've got to listen to us. And they're turning this in to totalitarian policies and procedures that they're forcing on the American people. And folks, they're pushing Americans to the brink. I don't think this government knows just how close to the brink millions, tens of millions of Americans are. People are saying enough is enough. Let me ask you this. We just finished the fourth week of the NFL football season. You watch any games yesterday? I saw every stadium packed. It's been it's been going that way. This was the fourth week for the last month. Have you seen any uh, big numbers of cases going up, being reported in cities like Los Angeles, where they have two NFL teams? Uh, New York, where they have two NFL teams, Chicago, I mean big cities, Miami, Tampa, big cities, New Orleans. There are no cases. Oh, there are cases, but the numbers aren't exploding. It's not like they've used to scare us in the past um, pandemic makers, you know, crowds, They discouraged anybody getting together, and they weren't using the science. They were using their partisan objective and goal, using their power over us to make us think that. You're smarter than that. We are not sheeple. We are people. We are living, breathing, thinking human beings. And we have the ability, the same ability as most of those that are so-called experts to push through and find facts and make choices and decisions for ourselves. And oh, by the way, the Constitution guarantees us those rights. Our rights are not given to us by our government. They are endowed by our creator. And folks, our creator is a notch or two above the United States federal government, Joe Biden and Dr. Anthony Fauci. Just say it. Just say it. Ten to the ten to the ten to the ten. Ten to the ten to the ten to the ten to ten. Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember ten ten ten.
For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10 bucks a month after that. Hurry, you only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopco. Could switching to Geico really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. There's enough negative news. Too bad it's fake news. Looking on the brighter side, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And your ray of sunshine, Dan Newman. Hey, isn't that right? We got enough bad stuff out there. Why not just find some good stuff? You know why? <laughs> you know why? Newspapers, television news departments, uh, radio news departments, talk shows or whatever, they wouldn't exist if there wasn't a lot of bad stuff right now. I'll never forget when Bill Clinton was running for re-election back in, gosh, when was that, 98? When was it? No, 96? Yeah, 98, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because George Bush took over in 2020, uh, in 19, yeah, in, in 2000. I'll get it straight here. Um, when he was running for re-election in the, in the wake of all of the stuff that was happening, his impeachment was looming, etc. And um, people were saying to Rush Limbaugh, callers were calling in and telling Rush Limbaugh, oh my gosh, don't you want to get rid of Bill Clinton? And then when Clinton couldn't run again the second to, after his second term, and it was Bush, and um, Al Gore was running against uh, George W. Bush, and that whole controversy about the election, people were calling in and saying, man, don't you hope Bush wins so you'll, you'll have a whole lot of stuff to talk about on the show? And he corrected them and he said, you know what? It was good for me. I had two terms for Bill Clinton. We always had stuff to talk about on this show. And it would be the same thing with uh, Al Gore. And it was the same thing through eight years of the Obama administration. And then now... We have Joe Biden. There's plenty of there's plenty of stuff to talk about. And so we're not worried about that. What we do, it gives us a challenge to get facts. If you're not being challenged, you're going to be tempted to just go to sleep and let whatever happens happen, right? 
And that's not the way we want to live. That's not what we want to do. That's not the way we need to do it. We need to get involved. We need to get involved. So let's get involved in this chaos, this madness of government spending right now. Biden over the weekend. I started to say he went to Twitter, but he didn't. He doesn't know how to tweet. Somebody in the White House, somebody on his staff started a Twitter stream. And he continued pushing that new White House talking point. He's got a new one. That $3.5 trillion spending agenda that's actually out there, he said again, and he's going to double down and triple down and quadruple down on it. It's going to cost no money. No money. Here's what he tweeted. My Build Back Better agenda costs zero dollars. His message argued that money was currently wasted on things like, you know, tax breaks, tax loopholes, and tax evasion. And it needs to be distributed to American workers. Those tax breaks, those loopholes, and tax evasion, those are the three things he personally used and has been busted for. And guess who makes those things up? Congress makes those things up. It's not these American people, these wealthy Americans that he demeans every day. It's the people in Congress. You know, like where he was for 46 years. Wow. He said all these things, those tax breaks that you took advantage of, he said it adds zero dollars to the national debt, does his plan. The audacious talking point that it's not going to cost anything, it's raised questions from budget and spending hawks as Biden's own budget officials have estimated his agenda would raise the national debt by a paltry $1.4 trillion over 10 years. Although there's not any official text yet for his bill that they, by the way, they swear they're going to pass this week. Can you believe that? They call it $3.5 trillion, and there are experts out there that are basing their objective forecast on just the stuff that they're telling us is from the bill. They say the real number is going to be closer to $5 trillion. The budget res- resolution framework, the legislative vehicle for his bill, it allows up to $1.75 trillion of new borrowing that is not paid for with more taxes. That's according to the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. And they're using the numbers that they're given, haven't seen yet. The U.S. has borrowed $6 trillion in two years to help the economy recover from the pandemic. The Wall Street Journal also mocked the $0 talking point used by Deputy Press Secretary Andrew Bates in an editorial. One requirement of a modern political flack is being incapable of embarrassment, the editorial read. Biden himself tried to sell the $0 idea on Friday after he gave a speech on COVID. It is zero price tag on the debt, he said. We're paying. We're going to pay for everything we spend. Biden argued his bill was actually a tax cut. I can't believe he would even say this. Right now, if you take a look at the the reconciliation piece, a trillion dollars of that is tax cuts, not raising anybody's taxes, It's tax cuts, he said. People are going to be paying less taxes. But afterwards, 
He admitted something. The only people paying less in taxes would be working class folks. His Build Back Better agenda would dramatically increase tax rates on businesses and people making over $400,000 a year so the government can fund subsidized child and elder care, universal pre-K, and two years of free college. His agenda will also boost spending on food stamps, housing, green energy subsidies, programs for electric vehicles, and government-funded health care. And that's just a drop in the bucket. There is so much more. There's that other bill. What other bill? Well, there's a separate infrastructure bill that they say that, too, they're going to push through the House of Representatives this week. Speaker Pelosi announced yesterday the vote on the Senate passed $1.2 trillion bill is going to be held on September 30th. Wow. Lawmakers will still debate the bill on the House floor today, supposedly. It hadn't started yet but will not actually vote on it until Thursday on the same day that some surface transportation programs are set to expire. She announced in a letter she sent to her fellow Democrats, quote, This week is a week of opportunity as we work to keep government open, conclude negotiations on the Build Back Better Act, and advance the bipartisan infrastructure framework. This was yesterday. She said that tomorrow, which is today, we will begin debate on the bipartisan infrastructure framework on the floor of the House and vote on it on Thursday, the day which the surface transportation authorization expires. So it's no big deal. It's just $1.2 trillion, and it's full of all kinds of pork, plus things that Democrats are shoving in there that have, most of it, as a matter of fact, have nothing to do with infrastructure. It's about spending. It's about Pet projects. Wow. So, over the weekend, Jim Jordan, that firebrand congressman from Ohio, I like Jim Jordan a lot. He he just came out, and it was in a hearing, and he asked one official, and this is not an elected official, so it's not somebody from the Biden administration, but he asked some very salient questions. This was so good, I couldn't pass on it. Here's Jim Jordan, and listen to the guys interfacing with and they're back and forth. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just would start with, I, I thought it was almost, it was amusing to hear uh, Mr. Raskin critique Dr. Green's statement. I mean, this is a state of where we are today in America where the lawyer critiques the doctor of medicine about natural immunity. I think, I mean, I, I found that, I mean, you'd laugh if it wasn't so serious. Mr. Holtz-Eakin, is the Democrats' economic plan working? I think, as I said in my, my opening remarks, that the things that were done in 2020 were very effective on a bipartisan basis, and the things that have been done this year are not. All right. The bipartisan CARES, package, PP, uh, CARES package PPP program worked, but in the la last nine months, we've went from rising wages to less purchasing power. Is that accurate? Uh, yes. Inflation has exceeded wage growth. Stable prices to not just inflation. any old inflation, 40-year high in inflation, right? Uh, first half of this year, um, the 50% of the CPI basket that is food, energy, and shelter went up 10% annual rate. Yeah. Energy independence, too. And we had the spectacle now of the President of the United States. Nine months ago, we were energy independent. And now we have the President of the United States begging OPEC to increase production. I don't think that's an economic plan that's working. In fact, I think it's dismal failure. 
He's not in his head. Let the record show. The witness not in his head. Have you ever seen a dumber plan than the Democrats? I mean, lock down your economy, spend like crazy, pay people not to work, and oh, for the people who are working, we're getting ready to raise your taxes. Could there be a dumber plan? As I said, we actually took the, the proposal seriously and ran it through something that looks just like what the Joint Committee would use for analysis, and it's a net negative for the U.S. economy. Net negative, yeah. And the American people are feeling it now. I mean, every, everywhere I talk. Uh, let me ask you this. When you pay people not to work, should you be surprised when you can't find workers? No one should, should be surprised about what's going on. Uh, now that the benefits expired, it'll be a very different story, and we'll see it first in the October jobs report um, that gives us the September numbers. But, you know, we know from decades of research that if you raise the replacement rate, the fraction of your wages that gets replaced by, by UI, spells of unemployment are longer, and in the aggregate, unemployment is higher. That, well established. These, this is over 100% replacement for 37% of American workers. I mean, it's... No one would propose that in normal times, and, and to put it in place as the economy opened up it just made no sense. You know, any, I mean, I don't know of any employer, there's probably a few, but everyone I talked to across the 4th District of Ohio, across our great state, across the country, I was in, I was in Wisconsin over the weekend, uh, and, and Minnesota over the weekend, um, no one can find, I, I was, we were driving through Minneapolis on the way to the hotel because we stayed there the night before to, to fly out of Minneapolis on Monday morning, and I saw at a, at a, uh, a Mexican restaurant, taco stand, on the window, $15 an hour. I mean, as big bold as you could see. No it, one can it, find people to work. It is everywhere. I have yeah. three openings I'd like to fill, and I'm going to raid your staff. Yeah, I, I hope you don't, but, but I, I, understand, <laughs> I understand the sentiment. I understand. When you tell people they can't be evicted, should you be surprised when they quit paying rent? No. No, I mean, it's like it doesn't take a genius to figure out this is literally the dumbest economic plan I've ever seen. Now, when they worked in a bipartisan fashion at the start of this, this virus, uh, when it hit us and we didn't know exactly what was there, we did some things that everyone I've talked to, the same employers that tell me now they can't find workers are the same ones who said, thank you for the PPP program. Yeah. Thank you for what you did initially when we, did, when we had so much uncertainty around what was going to happen. But now it absolutely makes no sense where we're going. I think the PPP program is the single best fiscal response we've ever seen. The SBA got $32 billion out the door in 2019. They got $500 billion out in a month. Yeah. And it was an extraordinary lifeline to people and to small, and the, and the small business infrastructure of this economy. Yeah. Now, let me, last question. I'll let you, I'll let you take whatever time you want on this last one. Um, they're getting ready to try to raise everyone's taxes. I mean, tell me your thoughts on that. Because, again, I think when you lock down your economy, when you spend like crazy, when we have the highest inflation in, in 40 years, when you pay people not to work, when you tell them they can't be evicted, uh, you shouldn't be surprised when they quit paying rent. When all that happens, and then you say to the people who have been working, who have been paying their rent, oh, by the way, we're going to raise your taxes, I don't see how that's going to help our economy either. I, as I said, we, we ran this through some, some serious scrubbing because I would talk to uh, my, my colleagues across the aisle in the economics profession and say, can we both agree that this proposed 3.3 it was on the campaign tax increase is a bad idea? And they'd say, yeah, but the spending is going to be so good you don't have to worry about it. And, I, and so uh, I think it's not only is the overall level troubling, the way it's being done is even more troubling. Yep, they in the, the years leading up to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, we lost 100 major headquarters. And in the years since, zero. Right. And we're going to go right back to the third highest corporate tax rate in the OECD and a, a very high global uh, worldwide tax. That's exactly the recipe that got us in trouble to begin with. And so we're, the way the taxes are being raised is as troubling to me as the, the aggregate numbers. So there you have an economic expert that he's basically saying the same thing that many of us 
or saying, which is this makes absolutely no sense. Do you realize, listen to this, folks, they're going to pass or try to pass later this week a $3.5 trillion reconciliation budget, which means they can push it through the Senate without breaking a filibuster. In other words, all they need is a simple majority. Democrats control the Senate. There's a 50-50 tie, but the vice president of the Senate, Kamala Harris, would cast a deciding vote. Obviously, unless some Democrats defect from the plan, she would cast the vote to lasso the United States and tie us down to the biggest spending debacle in world history. Not U.S. history, but world history. And they will pass it without having the bill in their hands, or if they get it, you can imagine how exhaustive it's going to be. Thousands of pages. There's no way to go through and analyze it. In fact, probably, it'll never be completely analyzed, even if they get it passed, because there are so many references in it. It's political thuggery in the highest form what they're trying to do to the people of the United States. Well, we haven't even talked about the other stuff going on around us, like we have a southern border immigration problem. I bet you didn't know that. (laughs) Well, I mean, it too, everything about it is just totally mind-boggling. Former acting director, ICE director Tom Homan, I like him a lot. Over the weekend, um, he slammed Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas during an interview saying he's misleading the public on information he revealed surrounding the crisis down there. When you say 12,000 are in immigration proceedings, they are not, said Homan. Mayorkas said there were. That's what the secretary leads you to believe, but many of them were already released on the notice to report. They're only going to be in immigration proceedings if they choose to voluntarily show up and turn themselves in, which a huge majority won't do that. So the secretary is misleading on what he told people this weekend. Homan also blasted Mayorkas after he said during interview yesterday there could be 12,000 migrants or even more that were released into the U.S. after a camp housing thousands of Haitians was cleared near that bridge in Del Rio, Texas. Homan said he realizes they went one or two miles down the line and came into the U.S. because they saw so many resources go to Del Rio that they left 224 miles of border unguarded. So those 8,000 just go to Mexico, and they're going to live there. They went down to cross illegally. Those are thousands now in the U.S. living here illegally. According to the Biden administration, now this is their number, 30,000 Haitian migrants have traveled to Del Rio in just the last 30 days. Many experts warn that thousands more are already en route. About 2,000 of those migrants have been deported back to Haiti. Another 12,400 are waiting to hear their cases heard by an immigration judge. How many recent border crossers has ICE arrested and deported? The answer? Zero, said Homan. That's the next question that Secretary needs to answer. The number of encounters, just the encounters. These are the ones that Border agents 
saw. How many more, in addition to this number, how many more slipped by and got into the country? We don't know how many or where they are. The official encounters total 200,000 in July and August. Many experts warn this number could continue to climb with the current policy. So yesterday on Fox News Today, I think it's News Today. What is Chris Chris Wallace's program called? I can't remember. Anyway, he had Mayorkas, Chris Wallace did on the show. Now, Chris Wallace, he's pretty good about buttonholing people and holding them to facts and to be objective. And Mayorkas, he's pretty sleazy, folks. I mean, he talks machine gun ratcheting when he, when he starts talking. It's hard to get a word in edgewise to ask any questions to get any facts. Mayorkas is amazing at doing that. Listen to this back and forth. And this has to do primarily with the horse thing and uh, Border Patrol agents sitting on the horse holding split reins and the alleged whipping of Haitian immigrants would, didn't happen. But here's Chris Wallace and Homeland Secretary Mayorkas. You say 30,000 people walked across that dam into Del Rio in the last 17 days. Question, why didn't you stop them? Oh, so uh, we encountered them at the border. That's where we encountered them, Chris. And you know what? We saw, indeed, a large number of people uh, cross at one particular part of the border in a short period of time. And what did we do? We surged our resources, we surged you, our you personnel. Why, didn't, and, why and, didn't you stop them from coming into the country? We, um, we did. We encountered them. Uh, they gathered, they assembled uh, in that one location in Del Rio, Texas, and we applied the laws. My, we but, applied the public health law under the CDC's authority, and we applied immigration law. My question law. is, why did you allow them in the country in the first place? Why didn't you build, forgive me, a wall? or a fence to stop them from walking in this flood of people coming across the dam. It looks like a highway that allows them to cross the Rio Grande. It is this pol- the policy of this administration. Uh, we do not agree with the building of the wall. We do not agree with the building of the wall. Although this administration is led by Joe Biden, who three times as a U.S. Senator, maybe even more than that, but three times that we've been able to document He voted for money to fund border wall and fencing. But Mayorkas put it plainly, hey, we were told when we got into this administration and even before Biden decided firmly he was going to run for president, the mantra out there was, we got to open those southern borders and let more people get in that we can force to rely on Democrats, and therefore they're going to have to vote for us in elections coming forward. We're going to find a way to get them eligible to vote, and even if they're not eligible, we'll help them do it under the table. All of this is nothing but lies, gross misrepresentation of facts, And they keep us so confused, Americans don't know which to believe and which to just blow off because they're lies. Now, we mentioned going up into that. Oh, by the way, did you hear Wallace? He was tongue-tied. Mayorkas had him wrapped up. Chris did not know how and when he could say anything there. Mayorkas just dominated that. He machine guns what he calls facts, but it's just typically Democrat open border mantra. 
Well, the Border Patrol agents on the on the horses. Bryden just went nuts on this at the end of last week. He hasn't derailed an investigation into those mounted Border Patrol agents seen pursuing those Haitian migrants who had illegally crossed the southern border. Those are the ones that everybody was saying, oh, uh, you heard a soundbite we played here from Maxine Waters, congresswoman from L.A. I mean, she just went off. These people were beating these Haitian people, these Border Patrol agents on these horses. And every black American, they likened that automatically to slavery where slaves in our history were actually beaten with whips. I mean, they said that. And of course, when you have a groundswell of minority members in your party, you got to go along with the flow if you're a Democrat. And that's exactly what President Biden did. And he just basically called out those border agents that allegedly whipped those Haitian immigrants, which they did not. In fact, the guy that took that one picture that had been being used to show that one agent did hit a Haitian, which the picture doesn't show that, but it appears to, the photographer that took all those pictures said he saw nothing about them beating any Haitians. Well, on Friday, when asked about it, the whipping by the border agents, Jen Psaki, of course, she weighs in in that press briefing saying this, The president was not prejudging the outcome of the investigation. And he said, his words, those Border Patrol agents, he being President Biden, those Border Patrol agents will pay for what they did. Saki said, he was not prejudging the outcome of the investigation. The president was responding from his heart and responding to seeing horrific photos. Saki said she doubted whether anyone who saw those photos would not have a similar reaction to the president. She described Biden's response as very humane and visceral. There is an investigation the Department of Homeland Security is overseeing that will determine what the personal personnel decisions may be or any other policy decisions. That needs to see itself through. The president wanted to make clear to people who watch those photos that's kind of, you can't watch a photo. Well, you can, but I don't think anybody stood around staring at a photo all day. What she said were, were uh, the videos. The president wanted to make clear to people who watched those photos who had understandably emotional responses that that's not acceptable to him. But in that Friday press briefing, Fox News' Peter Ducey, um He had some words and some questions for the DHS secretary about Biden weighing in on this before having the facts. Listen to Mayorkas. He kind of tries and does a pretty good job of tying Peter Ducey up, who doesn't get tied up very much. But listen to Ducey and listen to how Mayorkas cavalierly responds to what Peter Ducey had to say. Just to go back, please, uh, to the images of these mounted Border Patrol officers. You said on Saturday, or rather uh, on the 20th, to ensure control of the horse, long reins are used. The person who took these photos of the Border Patrol agents says, I've never seen them whip anyone. To see people treated like they did, horses barely running them over, people being strapped, 
It's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. The person who took these photos of the Border Patrol agents says, I've never seen them whip anyone. So why is the president out there today talking about people being strapped? So, so let me let me um, uh, let me correct uh, um, the statements in your question, if I may. It was on Friday. No, no, if, if, if I may. Um, uh, it was on Friday when I was um, actually it was on Monday, I believe, um, when I was in Del Rio uh, on the ground. Uh, and I made the statements uh, without having seen the images. I saw the images on the flight back, and I made the statement that I did with respect to what those images suggested. Um, uh, there, the horses have long reins, and uh, the image in the photograph uh, that we all saw and that horrified the nation raised serious questions about what, it, let me finish, uh, about what occurred. And of, as I stated quite clearly, it conjured up images of what has occurred in the past. Let me, let me finish. Uh, there's also a question of how one uses the horse and how one interacts with individuals with the horse. And so I'm going to let the investigation run its course. I'm not going to interfere with that investigation. The facts will be determined by the investigators, and then the results will be driven by the facts that are determined. And just to follow up, please, uh, before the facts are in, is it helpful to your investigation for the President of the United States to use inflammatory language like people being strapped? Let me just be very clear and um, repeat what I've said. I am not concerned with respect to the integrity of the investigation. We know how to conduct an investigation with integrity. I served as 12 years as a federal prosecutor. There were a great deal of comments in many of the cases that I handled in the public sphere, and I know how to maintain the integrity of an investigation, and this investigation will have integrity. Isn't it interesting, the Secretary did not respond to Peter's last question, which was basically, is it a problem when a president, before an investigation is underway, he's already finding the people that allegedly, those Border Patrol ag agents that allegedly beat those Haitian immigrants, finding them guilty and says they're going to pay. Is that a problem? Mayorkas didn't even address that at the end of it there. He's really slick, folks. And as he said, he was, he, he was a prosecutor, federal prosecutor for a long time. So he knows how to get up in, in court in a case and make a point, even if the point is based on nothing truthful. And I think it's fair to say that was the case there. Before we get away, we want to tell you there's something big on the horizon. I don't know if you've heard about it, but I want to make sure that you know about it. The Supreme Court has decided to take up a case. They're going to hear oral arguments in December on a case that is going to challenge Roe v. Wade, the abortion law. Arguments in that case challenging that 1973 Supreme Court ruling that access to abortion is a constitutional right, they're scheduled to take place in the nation's highest court near the end of the year. The Supreme Court will hear arguments in the case of Dobbs v. Jackson, Women's Health Organization, on December 1st. Justices agreed in May to hear this case, but it hadn't been known before when it was going to happen. Mississippi enacted a law in 2018 barring abortions after 15 weeks outside of medical emergencies. And it's been through a lower court. A district judge, Carlton Reeves, struck down the law 
finding the Mississippi law, finding it as a facially unconstitutional ban on abortions. In an unbroken line dating to Roe v. Wade, the court's abortion, the Supreme Court's case, have established and affirmed and reaffirmed a woman's right to choose an abortion before the viability of the fetus. That's all coming up, folks, and it's all going to be there in just a couple of months. We'll be watching it closely, but I wanted to make sure you knew about it, that it's on the way. Well, that's a wrap on the show today. I want to thank you so much for being here. And we've got a big week ahead of us, so make sure you stay close. And if you haven't read the special story on today's truthnewsnet.org front page, read that. Read the one that talks about how Christians are should be handling, how Christians are handling or should be handling all the stuff going on. I think it'll make you feel a little better about how you stand. Have a great Friday. Don't sweat. You've got this. You're going to be okay. See you tomorrow at TNN Live. They paid paradise and put up a fucking lie. With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? They paid paradise and put up a fucking lie. Took all the trees and put them in a tree museum And charged the people a dollar and a half to see them No, 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 don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone You be in paradise and put up a fucking lie It took my girl away Now don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got Till it's gone To be in paradise Put up a